What's up design family and welcome back to another episode of Fit Design TV. On today's episode, we'll be looking at 10 key questions that you need to answer today before starting your fashion brand. These are 10 key questions that honestly, I wish I had known before I started my own brand and I started my product design agency. These questions are going to take you through how to think about products, how to structure and strategize your collections, all the way to where to find manufacturers and Finally, how do you market your products? How do you maintain customer satisfaction? These are the questions that we're going to be looking at today. And if you want to get off on the right foot, grab a pen and paper and tune in. What's up design family and welcome to Fit Design TV. So glad to have you here. On this channel, we discuss all things sports, fashion, graphic design, manufacturing, and technology. We'll discuss key topics, answer pressing questions, and provide actionable steps on starting your own product line. If you're interested in any of the above topics, stick around. You're in for a good one. Starting off, number one is going to be, well, where do I begin when starting a fashion brand? This is a little bit of an open-ended question and I'm going to get straight to the point. You need to start off by knowing what your brand name is, what it looks like, who the customer that you're trying to appeal to is. What do they look like? Where do they purchase? How old are they? What region in the world do they live in? You really have to have an immense amount of clarity over why you're actually looking to start the brand. What need or what want are you trying to serve? What's going to be your USP? What's going to be a unique angle that you're going to be able to offer your customers that no one else is going to be able to offer? At the same time, I'd highly recommend you start off with a SWOT analysis. We've done a separate video in the past on this, but essentially it's a quadrant-based system where you list your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. This is going to give you immense clarity over how you can structure yourself as a key competitor in the space and the niche that you're in. And lastly, you need to operate with a business plan by knowing what you're trying to achieve in a business. This is going to set the framework that you need to actually get there. If you don't know where you're going, how the hell are you going to get there? So make sure you have immense clarity by structuring a key business plan that goes over what targets you want to hit, what types of products you want to come out with, uh, what your actual goal and orientation for the business is. Set yourself up on the right track. There's a lot of resources that you can check online that are going to allow you or are going to give you the tools that you need to structure a proper business plan that I highly recommend you check out. But definitely start off with a key plan of action and follow it step by step. Number two is, well, I'm looking to start a fashion business. So what type of business should I go with or what business model should I actually emulate? And there are three key business models when it comes to a fashion brand. Number one is going to be print on demand. Two is going to be a private or white labeling and Three is going to be a custom cut and sew. Let's look at brief pros and cons of each. First one is going to be your print on demand. Well, with print on demand, you have little to no startup capital required. Two, the minimums are extremely low. Three, there's a wide availability of print on demand services depending on where you live. Some of the cons, well, number one is you really don't have a USB. You're dealing with blanks and you're dealing with items that other people can immediately make in a heartbeat. At the same time, you can't really control the quality. You have no control over what types of fabrics are used, what cuts you have, you have none of that bandwidth. There's a lot of other cons and this is an option that I'd recommend if you have a very limited budget and you're really trying to go based off of graphic appeal. On the other side, we have our white labeling or our private labeling. So how does that work? 
this is where you go to a manufacturer. They have existing products that you can essentially print your tags on and print your logos on. Why is this a little bit of a step up from your print on demand service? Well, you're going to have access to a wider range of styles and it's going to give you the illusion of having customized products. But at the same time, when it comes to the cons, again, you really can't have extreme control over how the brand is portrayed, what types of products to create. Yes, there's a little bit more bandwidth there, but you're also relinquishing control over your USP. Anyone with the same budget can actually go in and buy the same products that you have and actually end up with the same exact collection. And then lastly, we have our custom cut and sew. This is an option that attracts a lot of people. This is where the big dogs play and there's a good reason for that. You wanna create something that's unique, that's customized. You wanna give your own vision or your own spin on the fashion world. Well, this is where you want to be, but there's some cons here. In general, it's much more taxing in terms of the startup capital required. You need to actually source quality manufacturers. You need to know what types of fabrics you're using. Really, there's a lot more setup work that you have to do, which creates significant obstacles for a lot of beginners getting into the game. This is where a company like ours can definitely help you out. If you're looking for a quality custom cut and sew designing and manufacturing, then check out the link in the description, fitdesign.com. We have you guys covered. But in general, what you wanna know is yes, there's a high startup cost, but you have a lot more bandwidth in terms of the types of products you wanna create, how you wanna package your items. Ultimately, you can create exactly the vision for the brand you want. And honestly, when it comes to fashion, there's no point in being like the rest of the players out there. You wanna set yourself apart and you wanna create something that's truly unique and is going to stand the test of time. So custom cut and sew is going to be the way for you to go. Number three is going to be how much startup capital do I need? How much do I need to invest in my business? Well, really to answer this question, you need to know number one, what is available to you? Is this from your personal savings? Are you looking to get a loan from the bank? Do you have an investor? By knowing what pool of funds you can actually access, then you can begin to structure your budget and your business plan to actually match that. Let's just say you have an idea of how much you could potentially invest. No, no one is saying, or there's nothing to say that you should invest all of that. You need to have a strategic way to approach your financial investment to guarantee a bigger return on investment and at the same time, so that you're not exposing yourself unnecessarily to undue risk. How do you determine the actual capital you want to invest? Well, you have to have a clear idea of your launches. Have an idea of what type of business model you're going for. Let's just say you're a cut and sew brand and you want to launch your products seasonally. That means four times a year and you want to target both men and women. Here, you'll begin to create the structure or the skeleton for your launch schedule throughout the year of 2023. You're saying, I'm going to launch four times a year and I'm looking to launch around four to five pieces per gender. This is going to take me to around 10 items in total for each collection, which means I'm going to be creating 40 different products in a year. And let's just assume you're doing two to three different colorways per style or per product. Here, you end up with a clear idea of the actual items you need to invest in. And then it's about going ahead and doing the research necessary to go out, contact manufacturers, contact agencies, figure out what the design costs are, what the production costs are, what the shipping costs are, and try to estimate going forward. You can only do this by knowing how many items you want to create or having a ballpark estimate of that. And then you start to tally up all of your costs. Definitely bear in mind that you need to pay yourself a salary or at least be able to recuperate your time. At the same time, you need to reserve some money for logistics, shipping. Definitely, you need to be able to have a marketing strategy that you can mount. All of this stuff comes into play. Use Numbers or Excel to tally up what startup capital you need by actually tallying up the potential costs. And you start off by knowing the items that you want to create. 
Number four is going to be where do I find my raw materials? Again, this depends on a variety of different factors. Number one, which region of the world are you living in? If you're living in the United States, the local market might have a lot of access to quality fabrics for you. If you're living in areas of the world where that market doesn't exist, then you definitely need to outsource. At the same time, let's just say you are in the United States, but you're running a mass manufacturing operation and you're looking to manufacture overseas. Chances are you won't be gathering your fabric from the United States. You might want to outsource that as well to an overseas region. So having clarity over what type of production you're looking to create. Is it local overseas? Is it print on demand? Is it white labeling? Same time, knowing what types of fabrics you want to bring in. Are you looking for fleeces? Are you looking for terry fabrics? Are you looking for sustainable resources? You really want to have immense clarity over the types of fabrics you're looking to launch. A lot of these fabrics are very specialized and the more specialized you actually end up with, the more you need to actually do the correct research to find the correct suppliers. I know from experience that a lot of functional fabrics, though they're extremely appealing and extremely attractive, there's very specialized parts of the world that are able to actually produce the quality of fabrics that you need to match the functional requirements of your fabric resources. So have clarity over what types of fabrics I wanna bring in, what types of markets I'm trying to tap into, and at the same time, how much am I looking to invest into my fabrics? Higher end fabrics and lower end fabrics, though they may be the same composition, are going to be worlds apart. Yes, there's a lot of moving parts here, but having clarity over what your requirements are, which starts off with step one of knowing where do I begin with my clothing brand. This is going to give you the framework that you need to actually answer these questions. Number five here, and this is a question I get so often, and it's really not as complex as you might think it is, is where do I find the right manufacturer? Again, this starts with having clarity over what type of fashion business am I looking to operate? Am I a print on demand or am I a custom cut and sew? If I'm a custom cut and sew, am I trying to produce locally? Do I have the resources to produce locally? If you're in the United States, you may have that as an option, but it may be overpriced or it may actually end up inhibiting what you can produce because let's just say you're looking to provide a brand that is priced on the lower end manufacturing locally in the united states is not going to afford you the opportunity so you may end up having to manufacture overseas but at the same time manufacturing over overseas comes with its own limitations when you manufacture overseas there's a higher let's just say overall cost that you might have to pay specifically so that you can match the minimum order requirements that are required by these overseas manufacturers. So you might end up spending a lot less per piece, but you might end up spending more over the entirety of what you're purchasing. So it depends as well on how much startup capital you have. What I also see is a lot of young brands are looking to manufacture overseas. They think of Eastern Asia first, which is always a great option. There's a lot of quality manufacturers over there and really anything that you want to get done can get done. But on the flip side, I see a lot of European brands that honestly are much better suited for a local European manufacturing, which there's a lot of great options in Portugal and Spain. If you want to go a little bit further out, you have Turkey as an option. And there's a couple of reasons why this is going to be a great option. Number one, EU import and export duties make it a much more viable option to import something from Portugal into the into Italy or into Germany as opposed to importing it from Eastern Asia. So having an understanding of which region of the world that you're in and what local fashion markets you can tap into to actually push into your supply chain, that's going to give you the maximum amount of flexibility that's going to give you really as much resources as possible to create a brand that is great quality, to create products that you can be proud of and to get them at the best possible price point.
Number six is how do I create the right design? Again, you need to understand where you're trying to go in order to understand how to get there. When it comes to design, understand what brand you are. What niche of the market are you in? If you're a CrossFit brand, then you need to create items that are going to cater towards that CrossFit market. You're going to want to create items made out of functional fabrics, lightweight fabrics, extremely breathable, and that are also going to be able to serve people that are interested in those activities. Look at staple products in that space. Definitely, they're going to be lined shorts, maybe a tank top, maybe a performance t-shirt, a nice warm-up hoodie. This all comes with the clarity that you come or that you understand when it comes with or when it comes to researching your market, looking at what other competitors are doing in this space and actually one-upping them and providing your own unique selling point. This is another sort of point that I want to drive across. You always have to have something unique with the products you're designing. You want to create something that is going to drive your customers towards your brand and offer them something that they can only get with your brand. On the flip side, you also want to make sure that you're creating a clear set of technical documentation sheets. If you're manufacturing overseas or locally, you need to be able to communicate your design accurately. This is where a great quality tech pack is going to come into play. And I've done a separate video in the past that I highly recommend you check out that runs you step by step in terms of how to structure a quality tech pack that you can use to manufacture overseas or manufacture locally. That's going to give your manufacturers every single bit of information that they need, all the way from the visual mockups to the fabric requirements to the technical documentation how something should fit, how should it be graded, the packaging requirements, some of the basic specifications, basically giving you all the tools that you need to get off on the right foot when it comes to creating and designing quality products and at the same time producing these, these products in the exact vision, the exact way that you actually envisioned first or early on into the process. Number seven, how do I market my brand? Number one, who's your target customer? Are they younger? Are they older? Where do they spend the most amount of their attention on? Are they on Instagram? Are they on TikTok? Are they on a variety of these different platforms? Are you more catered towards a professional market? Are you more catered towards a niche market where you could actually integrate into these technical communities on Facebook or on Instagram or on Reddit and create a community based around the interests that you're serving? This comes with having clarity over your customer and at the same time, knowing which tools that you have available to you to market yourself. Do the research and find out which avenues that you need to market yourself in. I would highly recommend you look at your competitors as well. There's great resources that you can use, especially on Facebook, where you can actually look at the ads that other companies in your space are running. That way you can see what types of marketing strategies they're mounting and you can innovate and iterate on those strategies. Number eight is when should I hire help? This is a question that's going to come across many entrepreneurs' minds when they get their business off the ground. The answer to this really depends, but in my opinion, you should hire help as soon as you can afford to. Look at it this way. As an entrepreneur, you continuously want to grow your brand. You have an idea, a vision for something that you want to create, and you have an end goal. Well, why are you limiting yourself when it comes to your resources? how you're investing yourself into your company, where you're putting your time. In the early days, definitely there's something to be said about taking on the hats of every single role that you have in your business, understanding how to do the accounting, understanding how to do the product design, understanding the manufacturing. Having a clear understanding of all of those core parts is an amazing prospect. But as you continuously progress in your business and as you continuously push it forward, as soon as you can afford to hire key roles, 
and allow yourself to step back and to manage those roles and to focus your time and your efforts into the areas that only you and you alone can do, like brand vision, brand growth, hierarchy, structure, strategy, marketing, knowing your strengths and hiring for your weaknesses. This is when you should hire. I definitely recommend as soon as you can afford it, look at hiring in key roles of people that are going to enhance your business. They're going to push you forward more than you could by yourself. Structure yourself as a solopreneur in the beginning, but immediately push and hire in experts to help you, whether they're contractors, whether they're full-time employees, whether they're partners, bring in people to manifest or to kind of push your business forward and to take away from the weaknesses that you find yourself bringing to the business. This is how you grow. And this is how you grow beyond yourself in the early days. Number nine, should I keep my business going when sales are low? You need to evaluate two things. Where is your break even point? What are your monthly overhead expenses and how much revenue are you making? Also, what's your burn rate? How long can you continue to continue and push the business on in the same format that it's in for how long? For example, let's just say you're bringing in $10,000 a month, but you're burning through 15 and you have $100,000 in the bank. That means you have $5,000 a month that you're burning through every single month out of your reserves. This is going to give you around 20 months of burn. Bear that in mind that it's important to continuously evaluate how your products are doing. If you have key categories that are doing well, but you're investing a lot into other product categories that are doing horribly, then you might want to shift your focus. This is where consistently analyzing how your sales are doing, how your products are doing, what your customers are saying about these products is going to go a long way towards making sure you have a healthy business that's consistently turning a profit and that you can continuously reinvest into in order to grow year on year, month on month. Number 10 is how do I keep my customers satisfied? This is a bit of a tricky question, but it all comes down to consistently having an ear to the ground and consistently listening to what your customers are saying. What I see a lot of brands or the transition a lot of brands go through is in the early days when they have the ability to do so, they're consistently engaged with what their customers are saying. There's a one-on-one -on -one level of communication between the brand and the customer. This allows you to iterate, as soon as you need to. Let's just say there's a product that you put out and you have a little bit of customer feedback that's telling you that you need to improve in this space. Because of the lack of noise, right? You're a smaller brand, you're really able to take that to heart and to iterate for the next collection. This goes a long way towards having your customers being satisfied, having them feel that they're being heard and ultimately allowing you to create the products that they want. But the trap that a lot of brands fall into as, as they grow their business, as they grow their product range, Number one, they end up with a lower quality of, let's just say, product creation. The products that they're making are no longer hitting the spot or they're making one too many items or they're making the types of products that their core customer base are not interested in. This is a surefire fire way to actually lose satisfaction. At the same time, as you grow your operations, you have to bring in more people. More people ultimately create more things that can go wrong. And what I see with the logistics of a lot of these larger businesses is, they're unable to continuously scale the business and maintain that level of customer quality that they had early on. What happens is because they have more customers, there's more negative reviews, and eventually it gets out of hand. They're unable to continuously communicate with the customers to evaluate what's going wrong, and they end up dropping the ball there, and that's how you lose customer satisfaction down the line. Always have an ear to the ground, listen to what your customers are saying, consistently iterate, have focus groups of customers that are loyal to you, that are new to you, that have never heard of you before, and find out what they're saying about your brand. Find out how they 
view your brand and ultimately how they see your brand in standing as opposed to five months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Well guys, that's it. That is a wrap on this episode. That's been the 10 key questions that you need to answer today before considering starting your fashion brand. To recap quickly, the 10 key questions that we looked at are number one, where do I begin when I start a clothing brand? Two, what type of business model should I go with? Three, how much capital do I actually need to invest in my brand starting up? Four, where do I find the raw materials or the raw sources for my fashion brand? Five, how can I find the right manufacturer? Six is how do I actually go ahead creating the right design and communicating the right design? Seven, how do I market my brand? Eight is going to be when should I actually hire help? Nine is going to be should I keep my business going when sales are low? And 10 is going to be how do I keep my customer ratings up? Guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Fit Design TV. Until next week's episode, stay awesome.